I was there with Compassion International, there to visit my child, to see some of the work of the Salvation Army. And I was really excited to go because Haiti is uh, the first black republic in the world. So Haiti's the country that, you know, 700,000 enslaved Africans were taken from Africa and put in a French colony to work. And it was one of the most lucrative uh, French colonies in history. One of those slaves had this idea that maybe they weren't born to be slaves. And they looked around and started talking about it. And somebody else did a, a head count and said, wait a minute, there's 700,000 of us and there's not as many as them. I think we have a good chance here. And it, it sparked a revolution. Uh, and it sparked a revolution where it was the first time in history where sort of uh, this enslaved uh, black population from Africa overthrew their oppressor and took the independence of their own, uh, of their own futures. And so I was really excited because I've been studying freedom and slavery for a long time, helping women get out of prostitution for about 22 years now and out of uh, human trafficking and combating human trafficking and all that, a student of sort of a lot of those movements. And so I was really excited to visit Haiti. So I remember I went, I was just like, I'm in the, you know, the first black republic. And those reverberations of revolution kind of went across the world, put some fear in slave owners and also um, put some resolve in people who were... Uh, understood that they weren't born to be slaves either. And so it had this beautiful sort of melody that went across the earth. And I was there and I was excited and I was speaking to some of the leaders from Haiti and just asking, you know, tell me a little bit about uh, the things that are facing Haiti right now, the challenges that they face. And, you know, one, of course, was political corruption. It's one of the most corrupt uh, countries on the planet. And the other, which was so disturbing to me because of this fact, I think, that I knew about Haiti is that one of the fastest growing crimes in Haiti is slavery. You know, there's these uh, orphans, a lot of these uh, street kids, and Haitian families are actually taking those street kids kind of into their homes, but they're enslaving them and making them their own personal slaves. And it's this, this massive growing problem in Haiti. And just the irony of it, the sort of the depth of the... The depth of it just sort of struck me when I was in Haiti and I thought, what are the chances of the very people who represent this like possibility of freedom being the very people who now are participating in enslaving their own people? How does that happen? And of course, you know, it's not just about Haiti. This is the, this is the biggest story are the very people that God sets free, the very ones that sort of represent this uh, freedom. Uh, assignment that God has for everybody. Everybody was born to be free. This is an inherent right inside of every person. That's why slavery doesn't fit us. And yet those same people that God sets free are subject again to this yoke of slavery. Oppression comes in another form. It comes in a different way, but it comes nonetheless. And I was reminded of uh, this verse in Galatians, you know, this beautiful Galatians chapter five, verse one, it says, Christ has come to truly set you free. It's just like we full stop that because we're a Disney culture. So we're just like, yeah. And then we tell the story of our salvation, that Christ came and set us free, which is a true story and it's fantastic, except that we end there. But Paul doesn't end there because he lives in a real world and he wants to see freedom take shape for real life and not just set people free in one moment, but actually have a people who stay free. And he says, Christ has come to truly set us free. So be free then and don't let slavery come again. 
And it's like Paul knows, because he works with people too, and he works with churches too, and he works with Christians too, who've had this moment of salvation, but who find themselves slipping into oppression one more time, into the bondage that actually once uh, they were delivered from. And so I uh, started this quest kind of in my own life to say like, and study the book of Exodus and say, okay, how can we not only have moments of freedom, these like clear times, you know, moments, and we can hear them over and over again, everyone's life where it's just like, aha, I get it, I'm, I'm set free, to this lifestyle of freedom where we stay free and we don't let slavery come again. And I felt like the Lord gave me a few principles along those lines I'd love to share with you. And the, the first is to believe it's possible to be truly free. And this sounds a little bit, um, it sounds a little small, but it's not small because all oppression begins with coming into agreement with oppression. All oppression begins with a lie. And the lie is that you uh, can't be free. That is the lie, that it won't actually happen for you, that it's like a textbook freedom, but not a real freedom, and that it's not possible. And when we start participating in that lie, that's when slavery begins to come back into our lives. So I want to I say that. Uh, the second thing uh, is to stop being so afraid. Um, fear is the currency of oppression. And so in the first book of Exodus, you'll know that uh, the Israelites were afraid of the Egyptians, so they became oppressed. But Pharaoh was afraid of the Israelites, so he became an oppressor. If you participate in a spirit of fear, you will either be oppressed or you'll be an oppressor, but you will be participating in uh, oppression. And the third one is freedom always starts now and it always starts in you. It's never something for tomorrow and it's never something for somebody else. It doesn't happen from the outside of you. It happens from the inside of you. That's a journey that begins right now. And the final thing is a spirit of perseverance. People who are truly free never, ever, ever give up. We have this idea that, of course, because the Prince of Egypt came out and the Exodus story was wrapped up in an hour and a half, but for the Israelites to actually even just cross the Red Sea took at least a month, <laughs> at least a whole month of just walking across the bottom of a muddy bank till they got to the other side and thought, now we're going to die. I mean, this journey to freedom, you can ask Nelson Mandela, you can ask William Wilberforce, who spent a whole life, you can ask almost any person who's come before us as a bastion of freedom, as someone who's represented salvation to say, this is a lifelong work. And so don't be deceived and don't be naive. Never, ever, ever give up. I'm praying that God will not only set you free, but keep you free. We need you.